Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I am Dustin Perry and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. What it do? Shout out to Jets fans and Jets fans only. Winners, winners corner right here. Wrestling corner is gone. Winners corner now where we just talk New York Jets all day. The greatest, the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. The greatest team alive. Maddie, hello. Yo. I'm a Jets fan, but like not as obnoxious as this. You know, your towel is upside down, you idiot. (laughs) That's okay. Loser. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) All right. Well, this is 43.6. We talk about sports and a whole lot of other things. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, but we will talk a bit more about them later. On this episode, we will discuss the Toronto Maple Leafs. Major League Baseball. No, I didn't. I already struck that up from the record. Forget Major League Baseball. We're not talking about that. We're going to talk about the NFL. I have it written down, but I forgot to take it off the list. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about our week seven picks. We're going to talk about Hockey Canada. And then in the wrestling corner, we're going to talk about AEW because they were in town this week in Toronto. And I have some thoughts. But first, before we do that, we want to talk about our week and what we have done in the past week since we last discussed around these microphones. Uh, We will start with you, James. You really want to start with me? It's been the best week of my life. The oh boy! And you know what? I'm going to leave it for the NFL. Penis. I'm going to no. I <laughs> found it. Finally found it. Uh, no, um, I'll leave that part for the NFL corner, dude. I broke my phone again. Uh, I mashed. So if you sent me a text you, message, did you shit your pants and then tried to wipe yourself? And then <laughs> dude, your if pants I shit my pants, then... if I shit my pants and tried to wipe my phone or wipe my ass with my phone, I would be legitimately. Like, like I like cut. Like I would be destroyed. Like, it, I would have a filleted asshole. That is what would happen. It's so my phone dropped off my nightstand because it was on the charger, and I stepped on the charging cable, and it pulled the phone off the the charging stand off the table, and so it cracked the top of the screen, and that was fine. And then so I looked up how much it costs to fix a screen out of warranty. It was $250. And I'm like, I'm not paying $250 to fix this fucking screen. But my contract, or they're not contracts anymore, their payment of the phone terms doesn't run out until July. Um, So I was like, well, I got to fix this. So I ordered like a DIY kit for... (laughs) fixing the cracks in your phone screen so i dude i got all set up like dude, i was i swear to god the Linus way i had myself over here. what linus tech tips over here dude the way i had myself set up you could probably find me in the back alley of a of a shop on keel like that's how like that's what i was doing i had everything all my tools i had my hair dryer set up to loosen the glue on the screen i had like a little pa- i got the i had the thread the wire everything and then I guess somewhere along the way of me, and they started off okay. Everything like the, the, the front's glass was coming up, but on a Samsung, there's the, the front glass is actually a screen protector that protects the digitizer and the, and the OLED screen, right? And between the, the, the digitizer and the OLED screen, or the screen protector, there's a, like a, it's like a dark gray film that's actually the like the screen and the touchpad, right? So 
when you're repairing this stuff, you have to make sure you go between that and the glass. So I started off fine and somewhere along the line, I tore into that motherfucker. So like it takes the actual visualization of the screen off. So my screen is basically useless, which renders my phone useless, which really sucks when my alarm went off at 5.30 this morning and I couldn't turn it off because I can't swipe this. There's nothing to swipe or see or whatever. So I put it in my fucking drawer and just shoved the drawer closed and put a pile of clothes on it so I could not hear it for a while. So now uh, the phone repair is probably going to cost me $500 and the 50 that I paid for this stupid repair kit. So at this point, you might as well just buy a new phone. So that's that's what I asked the, the peeps at work today. I said, like, OK, what would you do? I said, would you pay $500 to repair the screen or would you just buy yourself out of whatever and get a new phone? They were like. I just get a new phone. I'm like, funny, it's not coming from your bank account. Like, of course you'd spend no, I had 500 a, of my dollars. I had a similar situation where I had dropped my phone and I cracked the screen and then the screen like started to like bleed down. So like I was ticking time bomb until that screen was going to be useless. And I just took it to a Samsung like authorized repair place and they charged me like 200 bucks or whatever and they fixed it for me and now my phone works. And that was like so a year and a half ago. So I wonder because the actual digitizer pad is fine if they can just replace the front piece for 200 bucks, but they said a full screen replacement is five. So I don't know if I ruined the entire screen or just a, like something they could reapply, but like, I don't know. There's a place in Mississauga I can go to that's a Samsung drop off, or I can go to like that you break I fix or whatever it is. I don't know if there's, there's one sure way. That's where I went. Yeah. I think that's the one that's in Mississauga that they referenced on the website. No, I think I know because I, I did this. I know exactly what you're talking about. The one in this song is like maybe some Britannia or something. Oh, okay. And then there is one at Sherway as well. So I went to the, the one at Sherway. The Samsung the store? The one was closed or whatever. You went to the Samsung store in Sherway? It was a Samsung store, yeah. Okay. So maybe, I don't know if I should do that or just take it to like one of these like bootleg like jabroni places that, you know. Pacific Mall. That's where I went the first time, and the guy actually sent me somewhere else because he said it was better off to get my phone fixed, like, within warranty. But I think he was quoting me at three bills, so maybe I will go back to Pacific Mall because, you know, what I did, though, is I have to show my driver's license to show that I have an Asian last name so they can be like, yo, get them hookups. Yeah. I got right, free, free dim sum with cell phone repair. I mean, if you want, you could borrow my old phone in the interim. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you wife. could just use an old phone. <laughs> no, I don't have an old phone. I'm using the, my work phone, which, I, funny enough, I told the people at work, they're like, hey, do you still use your work phone? I'm like, I've literally never turned it on. It collects dust in my drawer. So um, they were like, okay, well, if you don't use it, just bring it back and write us an email saying you don't need your plan or whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. That was like three weeks ago. So I broke my phone. Luckily, I had that work phone sitting in the drawer. So now I'm I'm rocking like an iPhone, like X or something. I don't even know. I have an XR, a spare XR, for you to use if you'd feel like. Is that the one that uh, JP Omo like died with? No, because that one like it was an old iPhone Seven. <laughs> and the funny thing was, is like, so he wanted to trade his in before EB slashed the trade-in value of his phone. <clears throat> like, because they were having a thing where if you trade in uh, this phone or newer, we'll give you X amount of credit. So he asked if I had a spare phone to borrow. Um, 
so that he could trade it in and not lose the money because he's like when the new iphone comes they're gonna decrease the trading value so I was like all right cool gave him this iphone 7 didn't realize that the battery life was maybe 20 minutes after a full charge to use <laughs> so you think like, that though he, when we went to the tfc game his phone was on one percent when we got there and it lasted until he got home one percent <laughs> yeah so he the funny thing was is he freaks out and then gets his new phone and he's all happy and stuff goes to like another eb and they were like no the trading value is still the same so he went through all that shit and he didn't have to how That's many how many generations back is an xr well it's essentially the so it's xr 11 12 13 and they're on 14 now so it's pretty old eh it's like well i mean the sad thing is is we're having this discussion we all have computers right in front of us. Oh, I'm just now I'm thinking like maybe I could just borrow that phone until July. Yeah, I don't care. Just let me get rid of the dick pics. So it's the 12th generation. It came out. Oh, did I? Are we recording? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the the uh, show is just now negotiating me borrowing your phone. Um, it came out in 2018. So that's four years old. I mean, I think I could last till, till fucking <laughs> July. I mean, I mean, you could probably like just call and just do an early upgrade. No, You're that's what's going to cost me a thousand dollars because I have the because the way the cell phone dollars, dude. Because the way the cell phones plans work, it's bring it back. So if I don't bring it back in good shape, which it's not in fucking good shape. It has no screen, <laughs> right? They charge you the balance of that plus your the balance of your phone payment plus like some other fucked up deposit so it was like 600 for the bring it back not doing that 400 dollars for the balance of the payment like and an early out fee of like 120 dollars because it's like uh, it's like up to a maximum of three months or something i don't even know but it came out to like you got to pay a thousand dollars i'm like you fucking kidding me no it's more expensive now than when they used to cancel a contract and they used to they took away contracts because the cancellation penalty was ridiculous and somehow these cell phone companies have figured out a way to make it more expensive than when contract like bring i'm i'm gonna campaign i'm gonna run for office i'm gonna campaign to bring back cell phone contracts that's what i'm gonna do because we were way better off we are Yo, way do you better remember, off. Hold on, do you remember back in the day trying to like argue on the phone with someone? And for me, it was in university. So I'd sit in. Oh, dude, like, you were the king. Library. This guy yeah. was the king. If you needed something done with retention or customer service, you put this guy on the horn for sure. We How got many new blackberries phones. did I get in a year? Like four. This guy was the best. The best. I, the negotiator. You know why? I had endurance. 100%. I, Put this guy in front of hostage terror situations. He gets them all out. No, the guy, the guy <laughs> offs himself. He doesn't even matter. This guy, this guy gets it done for sure. So yeah, because what happened was is like I wanted a new phone. I wanted a new BlackBerry Pearl. That's when the BlackBerry Pearl was like the really cool candy bar phone. You remember that thing? There was never a time where the BlackBerry Pearl was cool. For the no, what are you it, talking it was about? cool because you, you get the pink, you get the red, you get the navy blue or the black. Sir, you I'm going to throw this out there right now. Like, I'm pretty sure the pearl was for women and the no, curve no. was for dudes. You obviously no. didn't go to York University. Yeah. No, <laughs> the, you, no, it was the pearl was the end of high school phone. The curve or the like, yeah, the curve or the bold was the university phone, the full keyboard, because that's when you were like getting like the first intro to email on your phone and you would try and do university emails on your phone and shit like that. But like, I remember I got myself, I got Jim, I got 
our mom and then another buddy of ours all within the span of like a month and a half all brand new like just released blackberry phones but yeah. they were pearls no mine and my mom's was a pearl jim's was a think a curve and our buddies was a curve the curve was where it was at i loved that phone Yo, okay i, I, I just like love bbm i like the bowl with the leather back Yes, remember that. I'm. I want to buy one. I want to buy a BlackBerry Bold for nostalgic's sake. Actually, um, as I've been looking at decorating an apartment, um, have you ever heard of Grid Studios? I'm gonna mm. Google it now. No, Grid Studios takes like old technology. In this case, I'm pretty sure they have Blackberries. They might even have a BlackBerry Bold, and they'll break it apart into like all its like. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. like in a frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put it in like yeah. a shadow box frame and stuff. It's really cool. I'm gonna get one that has like a Game Boy Color. Do the but, Pikachu one, the Game Boy Color with the, yeah, yeah, I'm looking yeah, at now. With, the, with Pikachu poking out, yeah, that's 100% yeah. the one I want. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm just still undecided of whether I want the purple one or the atomic purple one. Now, atomic, atomic purple, purple of course. Of, yeah, atomic purple is always the best in everything Nintendo ever did. And I'm still baffled to this day that Nintendo hasn't made atomic purple Joy-Cons. It's like, what are you guys doing? Get off your that's ass. That's actually a good point. They, they make, atomic they make purple Gengar is... Joy-Cons. There's Gengar Joy-Cons? I would... I'm probably I've shown this on camera before, but like I have my old Game Boy sitting here, and I wish I could. They had the uh, the one that I had when I was a kid, which is the green one. Like this is the lime green was sick. That was the, the first. Game. That was the Yo. first pocket that I what, saw, and I really liked that. What was your? What was the official color of yours? Mine. Yeah, the atomic purple because it was that, the see through with like the bluish purple. Yeah, that was yeah, literally sick. what we were just talking about. Yeah, no, purple. I didn't know. I didn't know because I didn't know if it was just the purple, purple, or the see-through purple. Oh, okay. No, that's yeah, weird. I had the see-through purple. Yeah, that, yeah, that no, one's awesome. Like, I, I just, I remember, like that was that was the game before, like post MSN Messenger, pre iPhone, it was BBM. Like that's yep. what you you'd be like if you wouldn't ask a girl. Or a guy, depending on your preference or whatever, you wouldn't ask them for their number. You would ask them for their BBM. Dude, I remember I, I got so many BBMs in university. I like I would maybe get like three numbers, and they'd be like, "Oh, you don't want my number?" I was like, "No, I don't. I don't want to call you." <laughs> Dude, it went. It went. ICQ, MSN yes. Messenger, uh oh, BBM. Then I would say WhatsApp then facebook messenger and now it's just whatever yo i can't well, keep up too many conversations just, between five apps we are in our 30s so like there's going to be a generational gap here so like kids now would have more information on this but like at some point snapchat was a thing like you'd yeah. ask a girl for her snap instead of like her phone oh, people still do that yeah yeah and and now is instagram i think i could be wrong i think all the kids are using yeah. instagram now for that that you go up to a girl I'm like, yo, what's your Insta? And they, you would follow them and whatever. Um, it's funny because I see a lot of TikToks where like girls are complaining where like, ew, I'm not giving guys my snap. What are you, like 20? It's like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. Okay, time out. Let's take a pause. Speaking for myself, and I like to think I'm speaking for most cisgender heterosexual men. None of us wanted Snapchat. Okay? <laughs> None of us wanted this stupid thing. But it was all y'all who were using it, and it was the best way to contact you. So we had to learn it and start asking for it. And now, I, no, and now they all did. bailed on. 
I'm just saying they they built the boat and we all jumped on the boat and then they bailed and they're like, why are y'all still on that boat? It's like, well, I didn't know like <laughs> we have to get off. I didn't know like there was a stop that I missed. Where's where where's the notification? Where's the light that says ding? This is your stop. Right? Someone needs to like keep me on track with all this That's thing. Anyways, okay. I, I so, just think it's funny when that comes up. The the Snapchat thing is funny because I have a buddy. I've referenced him a couple of times, Brandon on this phone. He's like, yo, look at my Snapchat streak. I wanted to smack the shit out of him. He was so impressed with his like 762 day Snapchat streak. I was like, you want to see a streak, man? Go to a nudie booth and let the, the shit sit there and dry because trying to clean that shit off, leave streaks. That's an old Kevin Smith reference. But. Wow, that was, that, was a, that was a walk for that one. I just watched Clerks 3, moving oh. movie. That was oh, actually, I do want to see that. How is that movie? It's, 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 it's okay. It's not what you think it is, but it is good. Like you have to you have to look at it in the mindset of he's grown as you know as a storyteller and a message teller and you have to look at this as like a love letter to where he started and where he's come okay yeah. right so and by he you mean kevin smith i see yes yeah <clears throat> um, him, him and it's it's him and his him and his dad there's a lot of his dad in the film and you have mm-hmm. to dig to find it but don like i can without you know giving away the film dante represents his dad and jeff anderson represents himself yeah jeff anderson being uh randall yeah yeah randall handle um yeah no it was good and then but yeah i guess transitioning to my week or weekend or whatever um i have made a concerted effort and this isn't just because i was just there but this is also like with an impending child who's gonna be you know what would we call it jim would it be like quad racial i don't know my kid yeah racially ambiguous (laughs) what (laughs) racially ambiguous (laughs) yeah racially ambiguous korean hungarian irish chinese and some other shit in there anyway um and so just being very aware that my wife's first language is korean although you would never know no accent or no nothing and shit like that and her family and all her you know like really, really close friends all going to speak Korean to our future daughter that I was like, you know what? I should make a concerted effort considering we're going to go back fairly often and the kid's going to speak this and her family, I should make an effort to try and communicate better with her parents to learn Korean. So I've started to learn Korean. Um, And the crazy thing is, and I learned the alphabet and the pronunciation and like basic words over the weekend and like i grinded it out and i was reading you know what's the quickest way to learn korean you know what is a realistic timeline to learn and become you know kind of sufficient where you could go to the country and you'd be fine you know doing ordering directions and just basic like life need things and they were saying you know roughly if you go at like a half an hour a day pace you're looking at about six months to get to that point. I've been using, and this is like, they listed all the apps you can use that they've used to kind of calculate this number and Duolingo was one of them. I figured, why not? It's on your phone. It's cross, you know, PC and all your, you know, your devices. So if I want to use my iPad, PC, whatever. I've tracked my time in five days. I've done 19 hours. Of learning Dude, Korean. You're gonna be you're gonna be your own Frank Costanza to your own Elaine. That's what you're gonna be. 
because it's absolutely it's absolutely necessary you learn this language especially you know especially if your kid's gonna learn it and your wife knows it and all her friends and family dude you can't be caught in the elaine situation around these people no they're gonna shit talk you and you're not gonna know fuck all about what they're saying so you have to learn so you can frankestanza yourself and protect yourself against any time that you know they might shit talk yeah exactly so i learned this and also too because you know and i think it's only fair and i know she my wife always says well you're you know they're here they should try and make a better effort to speak english to you it's like they understand english it's just they're not comfortable speaking english in regard to her parents I said, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, why not I make the better effort to learn that language considering, you know, it's not like they're going to speak English to our daughter when they're there and things like that. And as well as, you know, it's important for me that our kid maintains as much of her background culture, both, you know, my side and in the wife's side as well, that, you know, why not? And so my goal is to just speak better Korean than her cousin by the time like we go back to Korea because <laughs> you know that was rough struggling <laughs> like the dude uh the dude was born into it he wasn't he wasn't made by it he was born into it and uh yeah and so my wife laughed she's like no you'll be there she, she already is surprised how quickly I've moved along with it so yeah Maybe we'll have a Korean corner and I'll do like an education background on this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and as an inside joke, hold on, guys. I've upgraded my setup. I I saw the... I got a ring light. Oh, for fuck's sake. See, look at this. Now it's a nicer glow. Is it an actual ring light? Or is it just your monitor? No, it's a fucking monitor that I just Googled (laughs) gold and yellow color on the screen. It works though, I'll tell you. It does, right? Like all these fucks who go and spend $300 on a light ring or whatever. Just use your monitor. Just go get a 165 hertz 1440p monitor. Just go get a $500 monitor instead of a $30 ring light on Amazon. Or IKEA, yeah. No. Anyway, Dustin, you're weak. I was at Greektown Wrestling this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday in Toronto and Sunday in London. Uh, a lot of fun. I love it's it's fun because I get to do commentary there and that's like a different thing for me. And I, I always called myself like the Jim Ross of commentary for uh for Smash Wrestling, where like I constantly got replaced even though I did nothing wrong. It was like, <laughs> oh, Dustin, the commentary. Okay, right. Let's go try the Scott Hunter guy out. I'm like, okay, cool. And then well, I would be back in there at some Smash? I yeah. did originally, like way in the beginning. I just remember you as a ring announcer. I did both. And you're I mean, shiny. Well, it's, because, it's because nobody could ring announce as good as you. Aw. And that's what I've been told. It's like, well, uh, ring announcing is your strength. So you should look. I'm like, uh, yeah, but like. It it's not what I wanted. It's not a challenge anymore, and it's not what yeah. I want to do. So yeah. I get it, and you need someone who can do it. But like finding someone who can do commentary is significantly more difficult to find than someone who can be a ring announcer. It's like, you know, what I mean, like one is a significantly more difficult skill than the other because wrestling commentary it depends, is though, a different thing altogether. I would argue that a bad ring announcer can ruin the entire show. Yeah. No, I. 
I mean, a, ba- a bad commentator will ruin the show too. But like, no, one no, ruins the live no, show, doesn't. and one will ruin the no, right. The, but the live show has to has to exist above all, right? And I'm I'm not saying this because I'm saying shut up, Dustin, get in the ring and announce. Like that's not my job <laughs> anymore. But um, it's it's you're if you if you as the ring announcer don't set the tone for everybody in there and you don't like your energy gets people hyped like your main event calls are legendary and people know that it's time because you the way you do it and how good but and if that energy is not there then the whole show comes across shit even for the commentary right so i would argue that the ring announcers is like they're both important but i think there's more at stake if the ring announcer is garbage Right, like if the ring announcer is bad, the whole show could be off. Like it's not bad, but it's going to be off. Like the it's it's going to be like the wavelengths aren't aren't aligning. You know, like no, I'm with you. I understand. I understand it's off. Oh, I'm half watching wrestling while I'm talking. <laughs> and I just saw a, a, a wrestler I don't like, so I got annoyed. Anyways, um, I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate what you're trying to say uh, in reference to me, but like. I don't think it's that difficult to find someone who's going to do a fine job. Are you referencing my times ring announcing? I, I think you did a fine job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> sure. A little over fine, maybe? No? You know what, though? When it comes to shit like that, though, you know how having someone just there, like a body in place to say, you know what, someone, they can do the job, they're fine. I find that's one of those things where you can't have just fine, though. Yeah. You know, if you really want fan engagement beyond just what the show is because of the downtime guys you know in between matches and things like that or kind of setting up a match that if you don't have someone that can deliver that hype i mean you're already starting behind the eight ball coming in for a match and especially because it, it can really it can really hype guys up coming into the ring too and not just the fans but obviously the performers as well i i would say that's a good point because i would say in our time at smash when we decided to do a warm-up the energy became much different like the the beginning of the show up until they did tv and we had to do awkward tv intros that made no fucking sense so up until that point like the warm-ups like started the crowd off on the right foot because you were allowed to dictate to them like what you like how you wanted the night to go right and they listen to you because because at that moment you're the authority right like you are the company when when you and i stand in the ring we riff back and forth they're they're engaged their energy's up they're they're feeding back into what we're doing which is like priming an engine right so that when the first guy gets out there it's not necessarily a dead reaction if there's a dead reaction we can take that away right like we can work that out of them you know what i mean so i think there's there's some there's some truth to what he's saying in that and i think that's why we did it because like how many how i'd ask you this honestly when we did warm up before tv because i think what happens with the tv warm up is you blow your wad trying to look hype for tv and then people are tired for the first match they're like ah oh, fuck we just cheered for 30 seconds while the while nothing happened and the camera just been in the crowd right but how many times before that would you say the crowd ever started dead? I don't know if they ever really started dead, to be honest, even after TV. I think the second half was dead, like the second time we did the TV intro. I think that hurt. Yeah. Because it, it, would, it was never as hot as the first one. And right after intermission, there's always like 
thirty percent of the people still like getting a beer in the washroom or something. Yeah, right? that's true. So doing that intro twice, I think, was detrimental for sure. Yeah. But nevertheless, um, I enjoy doing commentary. Uh, Nug and I are starting to gain some steam together as like build a rapport. And he's great. Uh, he's awesome. He is. And uh, Bill Alfonso is awesome too. Like that guy was just so happy to be there and like just had nothing but great things to say to everybody. It's also it's it's funny to me like seeing a guy that you have watched for most of your life. And like his signature thing was like calling Rob Van Dam and like or everyone daddy. Mm-hmm. Listen to me, daddy. I'm gonna like so when he called and me daddy, I'm like that's yeah. just that's just really weird. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you, whatever you? you enjoyed it. Oh, I did enjoy it. Like I'm just saying like, it's weird in the sense of like that's an interaction I never thought I'd have in my life. Of did like Bill Alfonso calling me daddy. You know what I mean? Did he blow the whistle at you? Oh man, the whistle thing was so cool too. Like there was a moment in the Toronto show where Wardlow was doing his power bombs to everybody, and Bill Alfonso is blowing his whistle like it's Rob Van Dam like doing his uh, his offense, right? So it was this weird dynamic of something you're used to seeing now but mashing it up with something that you remember happening as a kid or yeah. when you grew up watching wrestling. It's Worlds this weird matchup that you never thought would exist and it's something you really only get on the independent scene where you get to see Wardlow and Bill Alfonso interact with each other, right? Yeah, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Uh, know what else is cool? Our sponsor, Now Your Treasures. This episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Source from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43.6% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the ever entire, or excuse me, view the entire ever expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com, N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S.ca or .com, and make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram, send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. One day I will get that right. Ever expanding, no entire ever, ever exp- i don't even know but there's it, the way the copy is written is view the entire ever expanding inventory that's, but i always muffle tough. that because it's like three e words in i a would row. say tough alliteration that's that's difficult but it's okay you it is, power through it he does enjoy your ad reads though i saw that on his instagram story last week that he appreciated even though See? i uh, probably fumbled that one too but he does appreciate the it's from all the your time we doing, do it live it's all your time doing sponsor reads as an ring announcer Oh, not just that, but like I mean, I did spend some time in broadcasting. Like, yeah, I, I know I what I'm doing. But like, this was like outside of that. Like, I was just teasing you. Say, you know what? I he, I okay. I I'd like to say that this is just you know us tooting our own horn and shit like that. And every time I I gotta say this, a little side tangent. Every time Dustin takes a sip of that fucking cup, he looks at it like it's something different or new every time. It's like, dude, it doesn't change. Stop. No, the, what happens is it, because it's one of these stupid like dragon fruit things. So every time I take a sip, there's like a chunk of dragon fruit, and I have get to like suck no it fruit. down. Get no fruit. Yeah, no, but it's no good. Fruit. No, get no. Do you know how bad that frozen fruit that just sits at Starbucks in those cups all day? It's disgusting. You get can ask for no, no inclusions. 
yeah, that's what I do. I get I get a Trenta strawberry fresher, light lemonade, no inclusions. Anyway, I know I'm aware of your ridiculous order. I know it's fantastic, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like I, I'm not just trying to toot our own horn, but he genuinely, and this being our sponsor and the owner of the company of our sponsor, genuinely enjoys listening to our podcast. Because he said it's not fluff. We don't try to be something we're not. And we just are Does dudes you. who enjoy sports and like, you know, know our shit about sports, but don't come at it of like we're trying too hard to be ultra produced and ultra um I guess Thanks, man. what you would Yeah. So he's a big as a, fan producer, and- as a producer on the show. <laughs> thank you. Not ultra produced. I appreciate that. So wait, yeah, exactly. It, it, no, do you know what I mean? No, in yeah. terms of, you know, we don't have where a lot of podcasts will have a script and, you know, they're very rigid with sticking to their timelines and stuff. He's says, you guys just feel organic. Yeah, we're fucking garbage. Natural, so. We're fucking garbage um, sticking to anything. You know who uh, doesn't try very hard either? Oof. Russell Wilson? Nope. I mean, <laughs> we, I, that, I know, the segment could have gone a lot of different ways, yeah. but I was <laughs> actually. <laughs> Lob that one up, eh? I was no. actually talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs who uh, got their ass handed to them by the Arizona Coyotes the other day. And I thought an interesting stat was the one that the Coyotes tweeted out the, like right after the game where it said the streak is still alive. Yeah. And the streak was like since 2002, they've at least earned a point in Toronto. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're the, they're the Leafs version of the Rays. Like even when the Rays were really bad and the Jays were kind of decent, the Rays would pump them. No, there's, there's well, the worst part about the Jays and Rays is that it, it almost seems exclusively to be in Tampa. So every time they go there, and also baseball is like three game series, right? So like every time they go to Tampa, they always end up losing at least two of three. So it's very frustrating here. But in the case of Arizona, the worst part has to be the fact that they they're not an NHL team, right? Like they don't have an NHL building. Their, their roster is mm, questionable at best. I didn't even know they were fucking touring instead of playing. Like they're not even just playing at that arena. They're going on like, they're going on like, yeah, they're basically like the Benji of, uh, of NHL. They're just, yeah, they're they're vagabonds. They are the, they're the blue Jays when COVID happened and they weren't allowed to come home to Canada. They're just playing in there. I saw they were playing like Tulsa, or something, or like some, or like oh, like Look, they Idaho. Played in Idaho, yeah, or like Iowa. But dude, it's Is not. This heaven? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, it's Iowa. Um, the the problem with the Leafs and the Coyotes, and I don't know if it's because since two thousand three, or we're just in recent memory, and this is why they have struggle against them, and it's the reason they struggled against them last night. The Coyotes may not have your typical NHL team at all, right? But what they have are guys that that work. And they work either trying to earn NHL jobs or trying to be on a team and earn their keep. Maybe it's there, maybe it's elsewhere, right? This and those are the guys that you like look at the te- the makeup of the of the Coyotes. Josh Brown, right? Lawson Kraus. Liam O'Brien, Jay Big Bane, dude. These are men. Like these are, like these are, uh, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie, 
Of these course, are he dudes, fucking the, the revenge goal. These are dudes who are big boys and relatively take no shit. What's scary about it is, guess what, boys? Those are the types of players the Leafs are going to face in the playoffs. And well, like, go ahead. No. Oh no, I'm just saying. And and the type of game the Coyotes played. Listen, I'm not saying the Coyotes are making the playoffs, but that type of game they played is the type of game the Leafs are going to face in the playoffs against every I mean, other team. I also think it's, I and I know this is kind of an easy thing to fall back on, but it is only game four. No, it's been only game four for the last decade. It's but, been only the fourth game of the season for the last decade. The problem, right? Is, and we said, and we said that last year. And look, they had they broke the record for points in a season. That's fine. They were out in the first round again. No, but then people can't make. This is what drives me nuts. People can't have their cake and eat it too. You don't get to complain about the season and then all of a sudden end your argument, but you're like, you know what? I don't give a shit. It all only matters in playoffs. Either you care about the season and you can bitch about it, or you don't care about the season and you're just waiting to playoffs. Right, but that's not the argument that's being made. The argument is the style of game that they cannot play is the game that's going to be played in the playoffs. They can't no, do but it. I just, think, I just think that there were stretches of last night's game that, yes, Arizona played well, but that's not... It's easy to look at it and say, oh, they did this and they did that with the score, but that's not inherently indicative of how the game was actually played. The real concerning thing for me overall these four games is that the shots are down like drastically. Usually the Leafs would average 33, 34 shots against the game. It's like 23. So what does that tell you? They're getting out manned. They're getting out. They're, they're being spaced out. Their goals the aren't stopping a puck when they should. No, they're moving out away from the net. They're not getting enough shots on net because they're being boxed out. Each, each game I can point out two, two goals in every game that should not have happened to a professional goalie. Oh no, that's fine, but they're they're still not they're still not even doing enough on their end from an off like this supposed to be an offensively elite team. I'm not seeing that. Right, but okay, then last season when this was the same thing and then they went through that offensive drought at the start of the season, people were like, Oh, they're supposed to be this high powered so, offense and they ended up finishing first finishing first in the league on offense. So you think this team has the makeup to be a Stanley Cup? winning team as That's it's currently not what constructed. I'm saying. Right. But do you think they have the elements needed? I, th I think they have elements that are different this year. I think that overall the skaters on the ice aren't necessarily the issue. I think the big issue, like I said, as of this moment is goaltending. And at the same time we talked, it's early. So guys want to settle in, especially guys like Sam Sonov coming to new team, Matt Murray, who is Mr. Glass from you know, fucking M night Shyamalan lore. But my, my concern is that it's also to at what point, And again, it's not at what point because we've all kind of laid the blame here, but this is a massive issue of accountability on the management as well for but that's, but that's what we're saying. They, they don't have the the management hasn't put the pieces in place. Keith, Keith alluded to it in his post game they have elite players they didn't play elite if the elite players don't show up on this team they are fucked 
Okay, but are you going to come back to this fucking same statement, though, when it's the end of the season and Austin Matthews is pot 67? You're going to be like, yeah, but that game, you know, those first four games of the season. No, that's fine. If he shows up, that's fantastic. The problem is there's not too if. much. He is never not shown up in right, the season. But, but there's too much stock on the elite talent. They're, they can't win more than one way. This team only has one way to win. And that's the problem. The, every team that has won a Stanley Cup since, for all the times, has multiple ways to win games. This team can't do that. I just think this argument has no weight until you're at least 25 games into the season. Right, but we've been 25 games in the season for a decade. And so it's just different this year because why? No, but okay, it's... Hold on. Let, me throw, let me throw this at you. If you look at the Maple Leaf schedule in October, they started the season back-to-back at Montreal and then home against Washington. Four games in six nights. Exactly. And then they went to came home and played Ottawa. They won that one. And then they were home against the, the Coyotes and yeah. unexcusable loss. Like they should have pumped the Coyotes. And James, I know what you're trying to get at. And I agree with you that there's a problem here. I get that they had a tough schedule and they're going to continue to have a tough schedule throughout October. And I'll get to that in a moment. But you need to pump these teams. Like enough is enough. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear it anymore. This, like, oh, we weren't ready to show up. Like, especially in the playoffs where they're like, oh, we weren't ready to start the game on time. Like, that can't be a narrative anymore. Like, this needs to stop. Are, and I are don't you know elite? What, are you elite? I, I don't know what needs to change. And I understand that, like, it's, is it a coaching thing? Is, this, is, is it a play, personnel thing? I don't know. Because they have changed so much about this team all through the years. There's different players. There's different coaches. There's different management. They have changed everything. Except the goal song, change that goddamn goal song. Um, I don't know what you change. I really don't get it. Are you elite or are you not elite? If you're elite, you walk through these teams. That that's that's like, and you can say, well, every team has a bad. It's 2003. This fucking team has come into this arena since 2003 and gotten a point. Because the team since 2003 has not been a team that can step on shitty teams they go to sleep and if the elite players go to sleep this team can't win it's been been proven you by that argument though then any decent team in your eyes that loses to a montreal or to an arizona then should not be a decent team and every team has lost to those teams at any given time arizona went on a 12 game win win streak last year and pumped so many good teams and then no one made that argument except for the leafs right but we we lose always against these bad and it's always the same way the leafs get outworked it happens all the time it's the it's the same it, I'm not the only one making this commentary. This isn't just, oh, look at James going on. The earth is flat. That's not That's not what it is. Everybody sees the same issues. They're, they're, they're fucking soft. There's no response. If they get down or if they're being outworked, they have zero pushback. Ty, I mean, d- tra- that's, kind of, that's kind of a failed argument considering last night that, you know, you're like, oh, they go down and they have no pushback and they tied it up with, you know, in the span of a minute and a half. TJ Brody is the only one willing to do anything in front of the net to protect the goaltender. And which is to your point, they don't have a lot of goaltending. In fact, they're very short on goaltending and they don't even have enough contracts to bring in another goaltender if, if they need to. And he's the only all five foot four of TJ Brody is out there busting, busting his ass. No, no, if you know, if you, if you want to have a believable argument, 
don't go hyperbolic with you know stupid five foot four like comments like that dude compared to justin hall or anybody else on that team everyone knows hall is useless right i think what you was trying to say that he has a disadvantage in size and he is not playing that way but the rest you got you got pure engvall who's who's shredded as fuck useless right it's just it's it's when does it stop when like when does the work ethic come matthews fantastic i don't i don't give a fuck that that guy's not scoring 50 goals because he's working right but it seems like nobody else on this team want like morgan riley well, holy shit I, I would i would argue that the issue then isn't the argument you're making isn't with the players that you're essentially making the argument about it's not matthews it's not nylander it's not tavares they've all worked so far this season they've all worked like yes they may not have gotten the points right okay and it's not mar it's your tertiary pieces and the sad thing is is that it's glaring when it's honestly out of the whole thing it's three or four players out of the 20 on the ice that are causing the problem and it's glaring gaps it's stupid giveaways stupid decisions by hall by engvall it's not getting a save on a that should be a routine save from the top of the circle from a second year player yeah it's jake muzzin just not being jake like jake muzzin 10 years ago would have been perfect for this team and i'm sorry but i think the ship has sailed on on jake muzzin it's just it's not gonna it's not enough and the reason the reason I'm so amped up about this is because it's been the same solution for so long. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say, I'm not asking for a team full of Brett Richies. What I'm asking for is a response. I'm asking for a I team. Think you mean Nick? No, Brett. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Brett, because mm. Brett's the, Brett's the tougher of the two. He's the one who pounds people in the salt with his fists. But like, it's it's not the, like nobody's asking for fighters. We're asking for guys who who will commit and sacrifice and do the things that winners do. There's there's a significant portion of this team that will not do the things that winners do. And like I hate to like Morgan Riley, gifted as fuck offensively, brain dead in terms of sacrificing himself and and being an all around like he's just not an all around defenseman. And if that's if that's not who he is, that's fine. But you have to find that through the rest of the defensive lineup. And they don't. The bottom six, listen, everyone was stoked. I was stoked about Kampf, Austin Reese, and Abe Kubel. But hey, they're playing identical almost to the third line. So, like, you, like, the team just doesn't have enough elements of what winning hockey teams have. All they have is the high-end skill. And then it's everything else is gone. And if the high end skill, and what I was saying is, you're right. If the high end skill doesn't show up, because they're not going to show up for 82 games plus, they're not. It's impossible to have that be a thing. So when that doesn't happen, who shows up? I just, I just hate the argument when it's four games in, when we're all very much on the same page that no one gives a shit what they do in the season. All right. So how about this? I, I agree with Maddie in a sense that we are four games in. So let's uh, pump the brakes a bit. I'm freaking out about the team because I understand this is a game they should have won and they should not have lost to Montreal either. Like looking at the schedule, they should not have lost to Montreal or Arizona. No, and I'm I, I'm in agreement. Yes, they should be stepping on these teams 100%. And there are issues in both games, but the issues aren't wholly in terms of what you're what you're frustrated about. 
right. frustration comes from the history, not from what is occurring in the games. Right. Yeah, but no, uh, especially but what the newer in guys that, game... that have not the the newer guys don't should not be graded the same way as everyone who's here last year. So your bottom no. six, with the exception of Camp, is like all new guys, right? Right, for sure. But at the end of the day, I guess I ball, but... the response is the response is the response. If the response isn't there, then it's not there. And listen. Well, let's let's see how they respond against the stars. I think, and I think <laughs> who well, are undefeated. And this is what I'm saying, though. I, I guess maybe as a fan, and as someone who's constantly heard, we can't talk about the past. It's a new year. We can't do. It's a new thing. It's only this. Like at some point. Yes, you, it's frustrating. Point, but like I said, is what. What I'm trying to say is, is the frustrations you have with this team aren't due to the four games that have been played so far. Your frustration is due to the last season and the way that it ended in the playoffs. That's not been what the issue has been so far in these games. Well, no, actually, I think it has. Like, I think the issue in last night's game and the game of Montreal, were, and even to an extent in Ottawa, were exactly the issues. Is that they have a problem. The only, when, the only, the only the leg you would have is against Ottawa, yes. But I can point out to it's, it wasn't a work ethic. It wasn't a issue of, you know, being out physically played in against Arizona and Montreal. Absolutely Arizona, not. Arizona was 100% that. I don't think they're out. I don't know. No, I, I agree with Maddie. I don't think they were necessarily outplayed against the Coyotes. I think they just matched the Coyotes play. And the Coyotes are bad, and the Leafs are just pedestrian out there. Like they weren't, they didn't have the fire to win that game. Right. I don't know if it's overly confident, and they thought, "Oh, we can beat these guys, no problem, two nothing, and let's just take it easy out there." That's how it felt to me. It looked like they weren't. They're not like, workers. They, there's no sense of urgency. There's no like feeling not, or fire not. in them to want to score goals. Like it was just, let's go out there and have fun. They're not workers, and that's the that's the thing. Like there are very little workers on that roster. And that's the problem, and it's and it's been okay, a problem. So, so looking forward in October, it's going to get worse. Yes. So whatever you are, and I, so I see where you're going with this, James. Is that we're four games in, and Maddie, to your point, let's not freak out about four games. There's a lot more to hockey to play, and this team has a lot more to prove. Whatever they're going to prove, they have time to prove it. This is the equivalent of losing, I guess your first three series of a baseball season. And then teams are like, fucking pack it in. Yeah. Actually, yeah, no, I it's agree. the equivalent of us at the beginning of the season going, this bullpen is going to be the end of us. And then at the end of the season, we were like, <laughs> this fucking bullpen is the end of us. Was so the end I, of us. Yeah. I'm also, I'm very aware how this team is constituted now as a whole. And I don't just mean tertiary pieces is not going to be the same at the trade deadline. I'm very it aware of that. Oh, no, it, it can't yeah, be. It's not going to happen. It's not going to win. With their cap situation but and their contract situation, it can't be. I'm, I'm in agreement that there's problems with this team. I'm not in agreement that it is everything that you say it is. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, a lot of your frustration comes with how the end of last season was and going into this season. Do so I think that there's holes and gaps to be filled? Absolutely. Do I think guys don't deserve to be here? Absolutely. And as a whole, I think that the only two guys that realistically should be shipped out of here and either give it to young guys who are hungry and want to play or go get pieces that more fill what you need. But there is no place currently on this team for Justin Hull and Pierre Engvall. Dude, and I, can, not- I can name you. I can name you. Gino Malgan, 
You know, great skill. There's enough skill in this team. The fuck out. Pierre Engvall doesn't know what he's doing. The fuck out. So, so, so when, you're, when you out. have a team that you're trying to compete for spots and you're giving guys auditions and trials and you have a essentially a four-game stint to grade guys on in training camp and you're saying, you know what? You tell these guys, the best guy is going to earn it that comes out of training camp. Okay? Yeah. Denny Mulgan earned that spot. Right. But if Nick they Robertson had, earned that spot. If they but had, you have useless Pierre Engvall getting paid $2.5 million right. that's taking saying, up the spot. What I'm saying is you ha- like they have, so again, so much of the same dude throughout the lineup. Get different players in camp who bring different elements. Right? If you look at the New York Rangers, if the New York Rangers' top-end skill isn't scoring... Number one, you're correct. They have elite goaltending to fall back on that the Leafs don't have. Number two, they also and have a Norris other... defenseman. Sorry, right? And, and a Norris other... winning defenseman, right? And they have other elements to fall back on in case a game gets out of hand, or they can contain a game. The Leafs can't do that. We know they can't do that. I mean, and and that's the problem. And you know what? And if you solve it at the trade deadline, guess what? It's too late. It's too late sometimes. I mean, okay, fine. You want to say the trade deadline's too late? Then you freaking out four games in is too early. <laughs> okay, so also, so consider this. Consider this. The Dallas Stars are coming to town on Thursday. If you look at the Stars roster, I'll give you a second. Pull up the Dallas Stars roster if you haven't already. And when Dallas takes on Toronto at 7 o'clock Eastern time at the Scotiabank Arena, Who's going to score the first goal of that game for the Dallas Stars? Obviously, the Dallas Stars are going to score first. Mason obviously, the Dallas Stars are going to win Marchman that game. Mason Marchman is scoring. Yes. Mason Marchman is 100%. scoring. 100%. It's going to be Mason Marchman. He's going to have Marchman's going to score a hat-trick well, did, in this did game. You, did you see the goal he scored the other night? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he dusted three guys. But that's, and that's what I mean. And I know these guys are sometimes unicorns. And I know we had this guy. <laughs> we gave him up. For no, not just that. It's like you, it's the same argument you made for baseball. Some guys, sometimes guys don't pan out. You can't hold on to prospects in the same way. Like baseball's way different. Baseball's way different in the prospect regard. Legit zero. Just because there's a lot base. more of them. Yeah, yeah. it's just it, that. Like there's a bigger pool to pull from. But right. at the same time, if you look at historical guys drafted in the NHL maybe 5% actually I'll, turn out to be something very good. I'll, I'll tell you, Mason Marchman's going to score, and Yanni Hakimpa is going to destroy somebody. No. And, oh, yeah, for sure. That guy is going to absolutely obliterate somebody on this team. And you, okay, you want to lay money on the on the end of this game? It's going to be Gino Melgan. Yeah, the Stars are winning. What do you, what, okay, what's the score? I'm going to say... No, watch. Well, hold on, hold on. Watch. This asshole is going to be like $5-1 dollars. I was literally going to say 5-1 Dallas. That was literally the words <laughs> that were about to come out of my mouth. It was 5-1 Dallas. Yeah, I and think it's... And I'm going to give two goals to Marchment. I'm, I'm going to say 4-2. I'll give one to Robertson. And... Jason or Nick? Because we know Nick's getting in there. Oh, Jason. Sorry, I was only looking at the Dallas roster right now. I'll give one to Jason uh, Robertson, two to Mason Marchment. Uh, let's give one to Pavelski and one to... One to Caravanta. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call four two Leafs. I'm gonna say no. Watch. I'm gonna say Matthews has one. They're they go down two to one, and then so they get one, go down two one, then score three straight, and they win. Three straight. I don't know if this team has the ability to score three straight. Yeah, I don't think so. I, against the Dallas Stars, I mean, I don't. I don't. I say four two, and I think 
the Leafs go down three to one and they trade. And that's then we call it time of death, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so, okay, either way, it's going to be a tough game against the Dallas Stars. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. And um, Mason Marshman will score a bunch of goals. I guarantee it. Because that's what every former Maple Leaf does when they come into Scotiabank Arena. And we saw it literally last night with Nick Ritchie. Uh, but from there, and this is why I'm saying the Leafs' October sucks. They are going to Winnipeg. Oh, the West they get Coast a day off, right away. And then they get a day off and they go right to Vegas. And they're off a couple days, and then they're in San Jose. And then they're off a day and they're in Los Angeles. And then the next night, they're in Man. Anaheim. They're on a five-game road trip, all West Coast. I mean, Winnipeg's kind of West Coast. I guess you can... Their Western Conference, we'll say. A five-game Western Conference swing right here at the end of the month. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs win one more game this, this month. So, and I'm not like saying they're a bad team. I still think the Maple Leafs make the playoffs, and I still think they're in the conversation of winning the division. They might even be the conversation of winning the President's Trophy. Like, I'm not overly concerned. I'm just saying, temper your expectations for this month. I think it's going to be a very rough month for them. I think they're going to be behind the eight ball when November starts. But I'm sure at some point, give it December or January, this team's going to go on a run and they're going to race all these losses and they'll be right at the top of the Eastern Conference. And none of this will matter until they get eliminated in the first round and we're at these microphones and we start dissecting what went wrong. So before, before we do transition, I'm willing, I'm willing to lay money on this with you for Thursday's game, Jim. But not Dustin. <laughs> no, because... We will take that one. offline before we talk about um, betting, but I... Uh, Actually, I will bet you a glass of water that uh, the Maple Leafs will lose that game. On I Thursday. will bet you a venti strawberry refresher with lemonade with no inclusions. No, see, it has to have the inclusions or it's not, it's not a deal. Yeah, that's, that disease is waiting to happen. Again, it's I'm like it, a borderline it, germaphobe. Listen, I, know this. I understand it's, it sounds like it's talking out of both sides of your mouth. There are just things you want to see to feel confident that there's something different about this team. But up until now... And I agree, but I'm saying you can't make that assessment within four games. I think you need right. enough track. And I'm to, saying... For, but you can make assessment on those things because points, the points and what they do in the regular season don't matter. But the behaviors and the little nuances that cause the problems are the behaviors and nuances that cause them problems at the end of the year. So seeing them frequently, regardless, they can have 400 points for the season... But if they're still making the same problems and the same, those are the problems that exist and kill you in the playoffs. And if they can't address them and you see them all the time, you're going and going, well, I know this, this is going to end because I've just watched it all season. And that's okay, the you know what thing. is a really big problem, though, is, is James and it's Maddie and it's everyone, for Christ's sake, that no one, okay, none of you, and I'm almost upset about this that none of you told me about the unlimited video. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I found out that was from 2018. That's yeah. what I'm saying. When I saw it earlier this week, I thought it was just Russell Wilson being crazy Russell Wilson because I think no. there's like a definitive line of like, there was Seattle Russell Wilson and now there's crazy Russell Wilson. But like... He's always been crazy. Apparently yeah. so. Because that video is from 2018, Mr. Have unlimited. You not, have you not seen that before? 
I had never you, seen that. I never saw it until I shared it. Never saw. Neither it. of you have seen that before. No. No. You're both lying to me. There's no way. No, I saw. I'm I saw it on Twitter, serious. and I was like, "You have to see this." I didn't know. Okay. It was real. I remember when it first came out. I was on. I was watching Overdrive, and they were like, "Can you believe this video from Russell Wilson?" And they were like, "And what?" And like they were talking about saying, "You know, he's unlimited." I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Like, dude, he gave himself watching, an alter ego. Yeah, he said he's I, Mr. I, Unlimited. <laughs> he's not Mr. Unlimited. He's Mr. Unlimited. And he said, when anyone asks you, say you're unlimited. What does that even mean, dude? <laughs> Who oh knows, man? Like, honestly, like someone, actually, it was Dustin who said this. Is a yeah. great example of NFL having CTE issues because no one in their right mind says that. But then I okay, I will say. Maybe he's just, you know, had a good day. He popped his wife a couple times in the morning. Smoked some pot. <laughs> what? Maybe smoked some pot. Well, no, like like when this first came out. Yeah. You know, because no, he was in Seattle. So, but like he's just chilling, like I said, at the time. <laughs> it's a lot of pot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure weed is legal in Seattle, isn't it? Okay. Or in Washington state. I, I don't follow the American legal system that way, but I didn't know you guys were connoisseurs, but thank you for the education. <laughs> um, but I th- I was watching this, I was like, maybe just in a good mood, and he's just vibing, he's in it. And I was like, you know what? It's stupid, it's dumb, and whatever. But I was kind of going to let it slide. Then the TikTok started to come out. <laughs> and then the other Instagram posts started to come out. And I just... He is arguably, not even arguably, he is the most cringeworthy dude in sports. 100%. I've heard he's a weird, I've heard he's a weird cat. Like I've heard people saying he's just like, he's a nice guy. He's just, he's a little off. Yeah. He's a little, a little bit of a space case. But But can, can you remember, like I can remember athletes doing some cringe shit or I can remember some cringe moments in sports. The NHL had one the other day. With the referee, like, welcome to the NHL season, everyone. <laughs> like, and couldn't, so, couldn't imagine a better place to be than right here, right now. Yeah, like it, it, he was about to whip it out for sure. But I would be like Laris on uh, House yeah, of the yeah, Oh, buddy, what about total Batman, Caleb McCarr? Caleb McCarr, your own Norris Trophy defenseman. <laughs> you don't fucking know his name. Yeah. What a turkey! Yeah, that's cringe, An but absolute like, not turkey. As, and like, dude, we we used to—I mean, we used to say in high school too. I mean, everyone said it, but we said it because nicknames were a big part of our high school. But like, you don't give yourself a nickname, like you don't. No. Like nobody. Rule number one: you don't give yourself a nickname. This dude gave himself like an George alter ego. Stands that call himself T Bone. Yeah, or, yeah. This guy gave himself an alter ego. You can't. Yeah, not just a nickname, what, like a complete other. The only person that's allowed to do that is Doctor Disrespect. The or only person or a superhero like yeah batman like you're not batman but Mr. it serves Unlimited. a purpose right what do you think justice league but, batman superman wonder woman mr mr Unlimited. Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> but we've all seen cringe shit in sports but i don't think there's been a dude who's tried so hard to be cool that just the cringe meter just skyrockets the closest comparable i can think of and it's not even close would be chris jericho and if you've seen some of his stuff recently where it seems like, and I get it from his perspective where I think he's trying to create like a something that gets over. So he's throwing shit against the wall and whatever sticks, maybe he can make money off it. 
so like Jericho was doing the oh god, there's so many of them recently, but like the uh, he's calling himself the Ocho now. And before that, he had another nickname for himself. And before that, he, he had wizard. like four or five different yeah. nicknames for himself over the past like six months. And I think he's just trying to get somebody to stick. But every time, it just seemed very weird. Um, but I at least appreciate the effort, I suppose. I feel the same way with Russell Wilson, though. The Mr. Unlimited thing. And now the and now I don't know if this is a Broncos thing or this is a Wilson thing. But the, <laughs> let's 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 ride. Yo, everyone making fun of it is hilarious. Did you see the Mitch Trubisky video? No, I don't think I did. Oh my god. Okay, I and again, if I take this out of context or if I'm maybe not being accurate with it, I don't know. But right after that video, I'm scrolling through, and I don't know if it was someone who got it or if they were doing this on purpose or if it's like an NFL tagline and it's just everyone's doing it. And then they just saw how cringe it was with Russell and they were like, cancel all the videos, fuck it. But there's a video of Trubisky. He's doing his promo video where he's got the screens in the background, similar to Wilson did. And he's standing there and he's, you know, giggling around and, you know, someone's talking. He's like, all right, ready? And he's like, hey, guys, let's ride. And then everyone starts laughing. I don't know if it was like a shot, like joking <laughs> no, around. It was a shot because let's ride is the Broncos like yeah. tagline. Like okay. getting on a Bronco. Let's all yeah. ride together because we're, we're cowboys. Yeah. Well, they're Bronco busters, but. You know, it, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. I mean, sure. But okay. yeah, it's... uh, it's But the Trubisky one was funny. And man, I just... Did you see... I saw this the other day, and I'm going to pull it up. And okay. what are you pulling up exactly? <laughs> so, is that the biggest fleecing in sports? What the Seahawks did to the Broncos? And did they what, trade Russell Wilson? I thought he was a free agent signing. No, they no, traded. It was, it was him. a trade. Oh man, it was a trade rape then, wasn't it? They got uh they got Bruh, they got two first round picks, two second round picks, a player that was a recent first round pick, and like two hundred and forty million. That might be the best fleecing in all of professional sports. I'm trying to find what the full thing was. I saw it the other day, and it was like the full breakdown. Um Listen, the only other fleecing that comes close, and we'll touch on that too, is the Jamal Adams to Seattle for all the first rounders the Jets got. Then we'll touch on that though. Okay, here it is. I got it. <laughs> so the Broncos got Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth round pick. The Seahawks get Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Font. 2022 first round pick. (laughs) Yeah. 2022 second round pick. 2022 fifth round pick. 2023 first round pick. 2023 second round pick. Like, and with the way that the Broncos are playing, that first round pick is going to be like third or fourth. Let's let's level set here for a second because, first of all, I thought you were going to say let's. Let's slow it down. I mean, Wilson just got there. It's early. I was going to say, tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, maybe you could tell yourself to go fuck yourself. <laughs> Last conversation then. But uh, here's the thing. Do any of you feel bad at all for Russell? Like, no, he brings not, it on himself. I, I know. But like, do you feel like it's just him trying to be like liked and endearing? Like, do you think, like, do you think there's any sort of like altruistic, like, do you know I I'm think he's a good dude. But I think he's trying way too hard. Right. But do you think he's aware of that? Like, do you think someone's like, hey, man, like, maybe just fucking chill. Like, maybe just throw the ball. Like, you know, or 
and and lay low for a bit and just kind of like protect your brand like is there nobody doing that for him and then the second piece is you know is is it just the broncos offense not clear like is it or is Russell Wilson maybe just not that good of a quarterback? I'm just trying to. I'm trying to do. I'm like an no, I know, but it's like I need, you're yeah. pistol. Yeah, yeah. Like. yeah. I know. There's a lot of. There's a lot of things there, and it's not as much as I like Duncan on Russell Wilson just because he Cringe. appears to be a bit of a clown. It's not exclusively a Broncos thing because we saw it meltdowns with Tom Brady this past weekend, right? We've seen Aaron Rodgers be like just pure garbage all season. That's putting it's, it nicely. I don't know if there's a changing of the guard in the NFL where like these quarterbacks that used to be really good just aren't anymore. Even Matt Ryan was like the turnover king in the past like month of the season. And like, he used to be you never, could count never into turnover. Matt Ryan wasn't a heavy turnover quarterback. Right. Like you can count on a couple of things in life, you know, death taxes, Leafs losing in the first round, uh, <laughs> Leafs losing against pl- teams they shouldn't, uh, players who used to play on the Maple Leafs coming back and scoring on them in their own barn, and that Matt Ryan was going to give the ball away four times. Like It's just, it's not normal. And yeah. I don't think Russell Wilson is as bad as he's looked. But, I don't know, ooh, man. man. Like, that Broncos offense but- looks like garbage one or, right? one or two is, games yeah maybe he's not as bad as he looks but man can't complete I, a pass yeah i haven't admittedly watched it as much as i probably could or should have or other people have but like one of russ's strengths used to be scrambling like he was a very mobile quarterback i feel like yeah. in what i've seen of the broncos he hasn't been able to and i don't know again i don't know if this is the broncos playbook or whatever but i don't think he's been able to be as mobile maybe as he has been in the past and maybe that's i don't know if that's protection like i don't know what it is but it feels like they're trying a different offense and it's just it's not for him well i mean it is a different offense right like yeah. he spent yeah. his entire career with the seahawks and now he's adjusting to a new system so uh, maybe that's part of it as well right like he needs to start from scratch with a new team a new offensive coordinator a new head coach a new offensive line like new 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 right so but it will take some time for him to warm up into this it's also very telling when after that half it was 50 or I think like 70% of all plays called were runs right after the half. But like when new quarterbacks and they're supposed to be elite quarterbacks come into a system, like you build the system around them. Right. And it doesn't feel like the Broncos built the system around Russ. Like, and I get like, listen, there's a different a delta between Tom Brady and, and Russell Wilson. But Tom Brady walked into Tampa, albeit with some familiar weapons, and was basically able to assimilate himself uh, into that. Um, I just feel like like they didn't. And Russell's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I feel like they didn't. I feel like he came in and they were like, "This is the way the Broncos do it," as opposed to being like, "Hey, Russ, let's play to your strengths. Like, we're gonna craft an offense for you." And I don't know. Like, I feel like that's a coaching error. Did you see the quote from Tom Brady that he said to his offensive line? No. I saw that he lost it, and I heard everyone talking about it. I mean, I should well, have seen it. Considering that the dude, like, what was it? He took Wednesday off. He was gone on Friday. And Saturday, he didn't practice either. And then they were just like, yeah, I get your six-time winning quarterback and arguably the greatest player in NFL history. 
But at the same time, you don't rag your O-line like that on live TV because you know the next game it's, oh, miss a block. Yeah. Just um, so according to Barstool, and you can kind of hear the full quote on the broadcast, but Barstool quoted it specifically. Um, and the reason why you can barely hear it on the broadcast is because obviously the mics are not intentionally trying to pick up him cussing. And at the same time, the commentary is talking over it. So there's a lot of words happening here. But supposedly the quote was, <laughs> I don't leave my wife and kids to be losing to Kenny fucking Pickett at half. <laughs> Which is I like mean, obviously insulting to his offensive line, but also pretty insulting to Kenny Pickett. Like, what did he ever do to you? He's the rookie. Like, what do you yeah, want from he's me? He's just going out there to play. Like, watch, watch Kenny Pickett goes out and wins three Super Bowls and fucking like... <laughs> You know, it's, then what does Tom Brady have to say? But, but it definitely is a changing of the guard, I think, in the NFL in terms of the the quarterbacks. I think, you know, you have Josh Allen who, you know, could be MVP again. I mean, he threw not was it last week was the forty nothing, right? Or whatever. That's forty three. You know, destroyed again. They they exercised a little bit of a demon this past week. Uh, against the Chiefs. It was uh, an off game for Josh Allen this past week. He only had 329 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, just an off, a little bit of a just sub... A pedestrian that's, an off, yeah, that's an off week for Subpar him. performance. And then you have, of course, Zach Wilson, who just, you know, shows up and keeps winning games. You know? So I think the guard is changing a bit. I will say this, though. Do you notice that all the quarterbacks, though, that we're all talking about are all dudes that are have it hit, like, not performing when they've been consummate performers for their entire career, have all had personal shit go on in the past little bit? Actually, that's yeah. a really good point. Like, both Brady and Rodgers have been kind of embroiled in, like, personal... Like, Rodgers' personal stuff is just because he's weird. Like, he just became weird one day. Like, was he always weird, or did he just... I mean, he very well always could have been weird. Yeah, it's woke like, up it's weird. Like, I feel like with... Um, like, I know, Jim, You, I'm pretty sure you watched it, and uh, Dustin, I, I think you have, because I think we've wrestled, or, um, discussed it before, but he's... What's his name? Fucking... The crazy guy from Entourage. Billy? He's the, no, the actor. He was the actor, and he's the art guy. Oh, my God, he's like... He was in um, Drop Zone, the movie with Wesley Snipes, and oh my god! And that's like who I, I picture uh, Aaron Rodgers turned out to be. All I remember is Billy from. She never watched Entourage, so I can't help you there. Oh really? Okay, Gary Busey. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is. Yeah, the... I know who Gary Busey is. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the Gary Busey of the NFL. Where he's like, I see the play down the field, but then I look over here and I see a man. And I let him feel me for a minute, but then I come back here. Like he's just fucked. I kind of imagine Aaron Rodgers being like a cosplay Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Keanu Reeves cosplays Aaron Rodgers cosplaying as Keanu from Reeves. Bill and Ted. Like Keanu Reeves is like I think he's out there and he's a strange dude, but at the same time he's cool. Yeah, and he you see and he seems like a dude you'd want to hang around. He's kind of like the reciprocal of uh keanu reeves like he has like almost similarities but just different enough to be the opposite to be yeah. like i don't want to hang out with you stay away from me and you right stop. and not a cool dude yeah, <laughs> yeah like every time and he you... opens his mouth i'm like 
and he's not even saying like he's not always saying wild shit. he's not like flying off the handle he's he's very got the very like i think it's because he's so matter of fact and calm like it's not even like it's not even like when a politician says something stupid and you're just like oh my god shut the fuck up this guy just talks like a normal dude gives a real chill normal interview but what he says you're just like oh my god like and what I wonder, is wrong with you? And maybe this will also make sense based on the examples we have with Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. That winning masks a lot of weird behavior. So when, yeah, the, when Aaron Rodgers was MVP, Tom Brady's winning those Super Bowls, and Russell Wilson is... No, he won a Super Bowl, but he's still always a... Competitive. You know, the Seahawks were always contenders in their division. They would always be at the top Dude, of the division. They they rumored that... like There was talk that Russ could be the MVP this year because they thought he was going into the situation that was good for him, and he would elevate his game, and there would be this comeback for Russ. So, yeah, like he was always considered this competitive kind of winner, right? So I think you're right. I think you win, and people kind of overlook your, your fucked-up shit. Well, I mean, a great example of that is the Cleveland Browns, where people in the stands are holding up signs for, like, free Deshaun Watson. Right. And, like, they don't care what he's done in his personal life. They, are, they just want a, their starting quarterback, right? But, so, he even, but that's the thing is Deshaun Watson hasn't even really won anything. No, but I think the expectation in Cleveland is that he's going to help that team. Whether he does or he doesn't is, remains to be seen. I'm, yeah, I agree with you, but I think they expect him to be really good. Um, I, I think we need to talk about it just because James referenced it so many goddamn times. Uh, the New York Jets beat the Green Bay Packers by a score of 27-10. to 10. Um, I still am very hot about the Jets because uh, Garrett <laughs> Wilson is an asshole. And uh, he can't produce fantasy points, so I am annoyed with the New York Jets. I did, however, pick up the New York Jets defense this week, and boy, did that pay off. Yeah. I had like 20-some 20, 20 points for the Jets defense, so I am going to keep rolling that Jets defense out there until they prove so, me wrong. And there's a good reason you should, because number one, Quinn and Williams is a beast, okay? Quinn and Williams is a beast. And when the Jets—so I— I mean, I've been made fun of for a long time about being a Jets fan, and, like, so be it, right? They've been fucking garbage. But the one thing I've always kind of said, at least, is that, you know, I say always, dating back to last year. Um, when they traded Jamal Adams, I was kind of bummed, because Jamal Adams, when he was drafted, I thought, you know, finally they get the best player in the draft. This is going to be incredible. They stink. <clears throat> Jamal wants out. They trade Jamal to the Seahawks for a bunch of first-rounders, right? And they... The Seahawks end up sucking. So the Jets have their first round pick. Um, the year previous, they take Zach Wilson, right? Then the Jets have a bunch. They have out of the top 40 picks, they had four. They had 10% of the top picks, top 40 picks in this year's draft. And they draft Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and was it Jermaine Johnson, who's another in the secondary who was highly touted but had a knee injury. You cannot sit there and tell me that as of right now, uh, Sauce Gardner is not in the elite of backfields in this league. He look at it, he, he might be the be I haven't looked at the stats, but stats-wise, he might be the best defender for wideouts in this league. He does things that no no should be able to do. 
and it's fucking incredible to watch. And not to mention, the guy has a nutsack on him when he wore the cheese head out of the field, uh, and he was pandering to the Green Bay crowd with the cheese head on him. And Adam yeah, Lazard, awesome. and Adam Lazard <laughs> knocked it off his head. And and then uh, or whatever his name is. And then look at Brees Hall. He was the best running back in the draft, and he's proving it. Week I picked him up in fantasy. He's consistently getting me 20 points, at least in fantasy, over the last three weeks because that guy is a machine. And they've surrounded Zach Wilson with weapons, like we talked about at the beginning of the season. And it's paying off, and the defense is showing. Dude, we chatted about this on Messenger. The Jets have to play the Seahawks, the Bears, the Lions. Uh, they have to play the Dolphins again, I think, twice. They got to play the Pats twice. And they got to play the Bills twice. They, there's a real chance like that they could only... Like, and again, I'm not being a homer here. They'll lose to the Bills. But they could win the other games. And the Jets could finish like with 12 wins. It's possible. And wouldn't that be um, nuts? As we're now in week six of the NFL, I decided to pull up our NFL Super Bowl prediction spreadsheet that I made when we discussed it on the September 6th episode, right before the season. So far, uh, if you're looking at the NFC, we're in pretty good shape. Oh, yeah? Uh, all of us said the Eagles would be winning the NFC East division. And, I mean, the Eagles are 6-0. and All of us said the Vikings would win the NFC North. And the Vikings are currently handily in charge of the nfc north with a five and one record we all said tampa bay would win the south and they are tied for first in the south with the falcons at three and three and this is where we started to deviate and i am 100 percent going to be wrong there's a zero percent chance the arizona cardinals are going to end up winning that division because they are <laughs> almost as bad as the broncos if not worse yep and the new call of duty is coming out so exactly and then once the new call of duty comes out that's a write-off for that season uh, but both of you guys, actually, no, that's incorrect. Uh, James said 49ers, and it is they are 3-3. Three and three, But Maddie said the Rams, who are also 3-3. Three and three, So you're both technically right. Going into the AFC, we all said the Bills. And, of course, the Bills are 5-1, and one, and they will win that division. Um, we all said the Bengals for the North, and the Bengals are tied for the Ravens somehow. That doesn't make any sense. Will the Ravens win another game? I'm just kidding. I don't know. I mean, I think the Ravens will definitely be leading in a game in the fourth quarter again. <laughs> and well, whether, they or not they're, whether or not they're able to hold that lead in the fourth quarter remains to be seen. Uh, for the AFC South, most, both Maddie and I have, are right so far. We both said the Titans would win this division. James, you said the Colts. And I mean, they're all right there in the hunt. So that may or may not change. And then in the West, I said the Raiders. Maddie said the Chargers. James said the Broncos. And honestly, my Broncos pick is uh, just as bad as his Raiders pick. Don't fucking look at me. Oh, actually, the Broncos pick is wor- is better than my Raiders pick. The Raiders won one game so far this year. I find it hilarious that none of us picked the Chiefs. I guess we like really were uh, wondering what that. We're trying to galaxy brain that division. That's why. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what? Jim picked the Broncos. You know why? That's, That's right. right. <laughs> you sounded like him. Um, the uh, thing is, I want to harken back to what we talked about in our NFL preview show a little bit about how we all sat here and swooned over the Eagles. And I think at a lot of time, people were skeptical about the Eagles. But I just want to say these three gentlemen on this podcast swooned over the Eagles offense and said they might be one of the best teams in the NFL. And look where they are today. I just want to point Although, that out. None of us, none of us picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. They're not there yet. 
our picks were the Bills, the Rams, and the Vikings, all of which look like fine picks right now. Uh, the Vikings are five and one, Bills are five and one, and the Rams are what, like three and three or something. So, like, Rams have a way to go, but I think I still think that's a good pick, and we will see uh, how that goes as the season goes on. However, we are approaching week seven, and we do have picks to make for week seven because if you were smart enough to make a three-game parlay with all the picks that we made for you last week, you would not have won because James <laughs> let you down. What? My pick was my pick was the Rams over the Panthers, which paid. Uh, Maddie's pick was the Eagles over the Cowboys, which paid. And James's pick was the Bucks over the Steelers. And you know what? Kenny fucking Pickett just ruined Tom Brady's <laughs> afternoon and ruined your afternoon as well for... Uh, making a parlay and trusting Dude, James. Remember so the when score, I picked, no, no, no. Remember when I picked the Steelers over the Pats and the Pats are fucking garbage and then the Pats ended up demolishing the Steelers? And I'm like, okay, there's no way that the Steelers can fucking beat anybody then. So let's choose Tom Brady. And what? Fucking Giselle Tom Shaw or just Tom Bunchin or whatever his name is lets me down. You know what? I Before we get into this scoring, I got to say this and I had this thought. That might have been Brady's retirement game. I mean, Brady has, what, a nine-figure contract waiting for him for a, a television deal once he's done playing football? And flexibility of lifestyle. that he And a family? To, to, and go, a family. to save? <laughs> right. But well, does I'm he saying, have a family to go back to at this point? Right. I think, I think that's the game where he's, he's on the phone after and he's like... Calling, he's like, Giselle, he's, baby, he's, I'm so sorry. He's, uh, <laughs> like, he's happy Gilmore. These last six, like, he, seven he, weeks. He's at, he's happy Gilmore to be happy. Baby, I'm sorry. I didn't so mean it. <laughs> I'm trying to provide for you. What are you doing to me? You know, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. But, you know, my girlfriend's dead, you know. She fell off a cliff and died on impact. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's his retirement game before we just kind of get into that. I think that's the game where it finally for him, he's like, he calls her. And he's like, you know what? You're right. Just let me finish off this season and I'm done. And I'll sign anything you want me to sign that binds me to it. Whatever. I'm done. And I'm I think that's the game. That did it. Home, yeah. Coming home. For four days Tell a week and then the other three days he's going to be doing games. <laughs> Tell the coming kids. Home. Tell the kids. How fat do you think Brady gets after his career? Because that massive. dude's been dialed in. That dude is massive. That dude just lives on a diet of pizza rolls and beer for sure after. Yeah. Like he gets, he gets so fat. And then I guarantee you just because it's Tom Brady under armor is going to introduce a retirement line where it's just extra <laughs> relaxed and stretchy. <laughs> or he shows up the season after completely chiseled, but like a hundred percent a Kendall, like no, like the most oh, plastic of plastic investing. surgeries looks yeah. like Michael Jackson just comes out full plastic surgery it's gonna be like homer simpson that episode where they have like the shit stapled behind them so you just can't see the excess yeah, fat. that's it anyway sorry dustin <laughs> the scores <laughs> so our picks for this week week seven uh, as quickly as approaching and i am taking this pick mainly uh to m mess with james because i know he was going to make this pick as well but we've discussed at length in this program how bad the broncos are and, and unfortunately, how, we have discussed at length how, decent. how good the Jets think, uh, how good the Jets let's, James let's, thinks they are. Can we settle on decent? Can we just settle on decent for now? They're I feel fine. like that's a fair assessment. And at I'm this like, point, I'm a fan, but they're they're fine. Like they're a 15 out of 30 team or whatever. 
It's better than being 29 as they have been. I don't know. I, this is, seems like it's bothering Dustin. It bothers me just because I, I don't think they're this good, but James is so uh, impressed with their uh, mediocrity. And like I said, he's, he's all about extremes. He's extreme happy with a team that doesn't deserve to be that good. He's extremely down on a team that deserves that much hate. So yeah, it makes sense. It makes perfect yeah. sense. And nevertheless, I, I like would watch this hard point. Workers. I would take a <laughs> the Jets at work hard. At this point, I would take a college team over the Broncos. But in this case, <laughs> I get to choose a team with a winning NFL record. So I'm going to take the New York Jets over the Broncos for my pick in Week Seven, which would James. push the Jets to five and two. By the way, which would be an unreal record for that team at this point in the season. Uh, another team again. You know what? If you're going to take the New York Jets, I'm going to go to another team that is just having an unreal season and I don't think anybody saw coming, and that's the New York Giants. And you know what? It's not even Danny Dimes being Danny Dimes. I think they've just had a really good run from like the rest of the team. It's almost like I feel like the rest of the team is performing really well around Danny. Uh, so I'm taking the Giants over the Jaguars. I, don't, I think the Jaguars were pretenders two or three weeks ago. I think they, they showed up and they impressed a lot of people, but they've since, you know, that's, that's a team full of a lot of, there's a lot of rookies and you can say the same about the jets. The jets do have some veteran leadership on that team. And I think the Jaguars would benefit from the same, same way the bills went out and got Von Miller. Like a lot of, you talk to a lot of people about the bills and how their attitudes changed. Again, ironically, the same thing I'm looking for across other sports teams and other sports. Von Miller is a guy that is a difference maker, and he comes in and he's making a difference for the Bills. I think the Jags could benefit, but they don't have that right now, so I'm taking the Giants. Okay. So, yes, the Giants are 5-1. and one. Fine. I think any team that gets to 5-1 and one deserves a little bit of respect. I still think they are a fraudulent team. <laughs> I think they're frauds. I don't think they're legit 5-1. and one. Again frauds i am going with the jags over the giants one to fuck with jim (laughs) and two i i do think the jags are legitimately better than they were last year and i do think they're legitimately better than what their record shows this year let's not forget evan ingram guaranteed a jaguars win over (laughs) the giants guaranteed and the current spread okay better die on the field (laughs) the jags are two and a half point favorites that's easy money if you're a betting person, I think. I think I take the Giants all so, day. So the issue we're running into is that if we're trying to make a three-game parlay here, you're not going to be able to <laughs> make a parlay with the Jags over <clears throat> the Giants and then the Giants over the Jags. So as a bonus pick, uh, writing into the show is one Anthony DeFrancesca who said... "Who I Before you get into this, did a absolutely masterful job on your hair, sir. <laughs> like I, I don't, know if, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. No, I'm generally like serious. Like I, when it comes to hair, I take it very seriously. I'll tell you when you got butchered and look like shit, and it's it's silky. I like it. Well, thank you very much. And if you want to see what Maddie's talking about, make sure you go to YouTube and check out the episode that I assume will be uploaded this week, James. Yeah, I mean, as long as we can figure out the tech issues with exporting, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we've had technical issues uploading to YouTube the past couple of weeks, so 
Uh, if you are a regular YouTube listener, uh, we apologize, and we hope we can get this episode up uh, for your viewing pleasure, and you can see what Maddie is talking about specifically. But uh, Anthony G- D. Francesca wrote into the show, and he said, my NFL pick this week is the Bucks beating whoever they play. <laughs> he said, I saw Brady yelling at someone on Instagram, and it looked like my parents and yet the way they used to yell at me. <laughs> so he thinks that Brady is going to get that team fired up, and in this case, uh, the Bucks are playing the Panthers. So actually not a horrible pick. So we will add that one in there if you feel you need to complete your three-game parlay. Um, interestingly enough, I've only uh, ever spoken two of Anthony's picks on this show, and both of them were the Bucks. So he's already missing the concept of what we're doing here. That's but cool. nevertheless, he's not, official, he's not having an official list like we have. So if you're unaware and have, have been along for the journey with us every week thus far, we are picking a team to win every week, but we're doing it like a suicide pool where I can't, or whoever makes the pick, you can't pick that team again the next week. So I've already picked the Bengals and the Bills and the Chargers, the Packers and the Rams. So I'm unable to pick those teams going forward. So that's why I picked the Jets over the Broncos this week. Cool. All right. What now, are the scores, by the way, sorry, the standings. Oh yeah, it's a good point. So the score right now, Maddie, you're at four. Nice. Uh, James and I are stuck on two. So okay. you have a big lead right now, and you can really make a uh, strong stance if the Jags win this week. So in saying this, at what point do we stop doing this? We can just because it seems like any time we do this, I just win. Well, <laughs> there definitely will come a time in the schedule if you continue winning and we continue losing that it will be no longer valid. So. I can figure that out mathematically later, but you're going to have to continue to win in order for that conversation to come. Well, up. if we if we only had one thing to pick and it was the Leafs in the first round, we would win and then we wouldn't have to stop doing it because this man would pick them and we wouldn't and we'd finally be no, ahead. because that would be the year they win and you fucking get pissed yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, the key, is to, uh, the key is to bet against the Leafs because then if you win, you make money. If you lose, it only costs you 20 bucks for a Leaf win. Something I would not have bet on actually happened this week, though, and that was the entire board of directors of Hockey Canada stepping down, which, I mean, finally, about time, it only took, like, almost every sponsor to pull out of Hockey Canada to make it happen. What's interesting is that, and I don't have the specific article or tweet that said this, but supposedly, all the, I should say all, a portion of the sponsors who paused their pledge we'll say because there's some uh, companies like Canadian Tire that said fuck it we're out entirely some of them paused it and said we will you know maybe support once some changes are made some of them are now like reconsidering that and saying maybe we just stop altogether because they look at Hockey Canada as a completely tarnished brand like even though these changes has happened I don't know if it's worth our money to be associated with this anymore, regardless of the changes that have happened. So that is how badly bungled Hockey Canada has become. But that's what we said kind of, I think, for the last couple of weeks is, like, they just got to burn it. Like, it's they start over, new logo, new everything, new fresh faces, all of it. Maybe, maybe it's not even called Hockey Canada. Maybe it's called the Canadian Hockey Federation or something. Um, or the Canadian Hockey Organization or organization de hockey de Canada. Like I don't I don't know. 
it doesn't matter it just i don't i think i agree with the sponsors i mean if you look at it from a business side this is tough like and you look at it when we're talking about wwe as a parallel right in payments for cover-ups of sexual scandals like i don't know that there's a right way to do this but from a business standpoint the wwe kind of did it the right way they fucking investigated it found that yeah no it was pretty fucking garbage the guy who owned the company and was the chairman of the board stepped down and that was the end of it you didn't hear from that guy again like that's and that guy had been there for a fucking hundred years and they they figured out how to do this and survive and hockey canada's sitting here on government like testimony being like i don't think the lights will stay on i don't know how i don't know how we're gonna have kids in rinks like are you kidding me like no wonder the sponsors don't want to come back you fucking morons you know like it's uh i like i wouldn't and i think i really think they just have to to start like they have to start anew because it's, it's not going to work under the old kind of there's too much what's the word i'm looking for there's too much bad juju surrounding it i agree I feel like Maddie wants to say something, but all of a sudden he's like lost yeah. all his technical abilities. No, it's, it's something randomly. It's like a random update just popped up on my computer and it made everything white and it pissed me off. It ruined my ring light. Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I just, I do think obviously they have a right or not necessarily a right, but they're well within reasonability to do that. I do feel upset for kids that and people beyond kids, whether it's people that have jobs or whatever that are going to suffer from this because you have essentially an entire organization paying for the mistakes of, you know, a bunch of people at the top. So absolute garbage for that. And I just hope that whatever comes in and in terms of a board, if they can't salvage it, that, you know, at least some of something happens to ensure that, like I said, is you know, the people that don't deserve to be harmed by shit like this aren't. Do you know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's, and maybe that's what's, what her name meant by keeping the lights on, right? Like maybe that's what, you know, maybe we took her comment out of context a little bit, but you know, there is going to, there probably might be a slight, and hopefully only a slight disruption to, to programs. Like I hope, I hope there's no, you know, but if they're just having another board, like they have an interim board until a new board is elected. I can't see there being any sort of, like Maddie said, there's still a, there's still a, a staff and a, and a company that'll run shit. So I think it's just a matter of like making sure these guys, you know, don't like they elect proper leadership and, and maybe change the name and change the look, you know, so that people don't have this immediate association with all the garbage they've, they've seen. I honestly think, like, it sounds stupid, but I honestly think just changing the name and changing the logo along with the new leadership would go a long way. Like, I think I think it's a, that would be a game changer for for potential, you know, to bring sponsors back. Like, I think that's really all you might need to do beyond the change in leadership. I think, I, I think the whole, don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of bad blood there in terms of sponsors too. And let's not kid ourselves here that some of these sponsors that are doing this, their closets ain't clean either completely. 
<laughs> like let's be real. Um, it's just they haven't been found yet. So I guarantee you, you know, whatever, but that's neither here nor there. I just think that <clears throat> I think they're just waiting to see the people that are elected. You know, the, and by saying, you know what, we said we're gonna put it on pause, but we're probably just gonna pull out. I think that's to put pressure to make sure that the right people are in there. And we all know too that um, you know, business is a game to a lot of them. It's all politicking. It's all, you know, where can you gain an advantage or get that upper, you know, upper hand over other people or other organizations? I don't know. I'm just kind of, I try to look at this as like big picture and understand, yes, there's victims, uh, victims in this, and that should be primarily number one concern. But after that, looking at him, I'm like, who's to say, and maybe I just watched way too much Game of Thrones and shit like that. But who's to say that these organizations aren't pulling this shit to get people they want in there to fuel or further their agenda in terms of understanding how much pull and sway and influence hockey Canada. And I don't mean the organization, I mean the sport as a whole has and whatever body is representing that or the figurehead of that, you know, to not, you know, improve their business standing to say, you know, well, we want this person in here and it's not necessarily the right person for the job, but it's the right person for them. I think, I think as sponsors, that's kind of what they're there. They, they put up their money so that their business is represented and, and put forth by an, an, a popular organization. It's to show this kind of um, relationship and affinity between two concepts. Right. So um, I don't, I think that is a little Game of Thronesy, but I see where you're coming from. But I think, you know, I honestly think it's more like we don't want any more damage to our brands through this. Like we don't, like, and, you know. And I gotta, I gotta believe there's a there's a level of altruism in that. Listen, you said the victims are most important. I think also what's most important is that there's no more victims, and they have a way of. What was that? I was like I a gong. Smack my arm off my boot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's no more, and they have proper checks and balances in place to to ensure that. Uh, and you know, maybe that's like you said, maybe they're just waiting it out to make sure it's the right people. Um, you know, because if it's just the same old six-year-old white dude, Jay Brown, like I don't think it's gonna work. Um, you know, I think you have to have somebody in there who who understand like. The, the, apparently the call is for people who understand crisis management and things like that, which I think is integral. I think you need someone who understands the proper steps to take when something like this arises. Because changing leadership isn't going to stop this from happening per se, but what it's going to stop from happening is covering it up and it's going to create accountability throughout the system so that, you know, there's a very clear message that it's unacceptable and it won't be supported, let alone covered up. And I think that's what that's what we need to to hope for and understand. Like, because again, the what happened to the victims is not a is not a, a hockey thing. It's not a hockey Canada thing specifically. It's that's a culture thing. Um, hockey plays a part in it, but I think society plays an even bigger part in it. Um, it's it's how it was dealt with and how it was basically. What's the word I'm looking for? Not aided, but what's the, what's the word? Anyone? Bueller? No, I just I can hear you shaking your leg. Oh, really? Yeah. 
That's weird. Um, <laughs> I just hear the ding, 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 ding. I had no um, idea what that sound was. That's amazing that you called that. <laughs> um, I think just knowing how they assisted in kind of allowing it and and hushing it, like that can't happen, right? So we'll see. I just think easiest thing, easiest thing to do, and obviously it's an easy thing to say. It's a harder thing to implement. Is zero tolerance right off the bat your first the first thing you mandate coming in is zero tolerance at any level yeah you know i mean that's that's such an easy that it's not like uh you know obviously i feel like due diligence and investigation should take place but the instant someone does that it's not like oh you're suspended for this you're gone and i think that's what bothers me about the whole like logan mayu shit and like other things is like people will say oh they made a mistake like a mistake is not an error in judgment. Like a mistake is when you don't know better or like there's a happenstance where, oh, like I dropped something like that's a mistake. I mean, a lot of these things, an error in judgment is not like these are premeditated acts. Like I don't, I don't find those mistakes. I don't find what happened to the girl in London, a mistake. I don't find filming a passed out woman on the East coast, a mistake. Um, I don't find what Logan Mayu did a mistake. He know like they know what they're doing, and especially if you're old enough to drive a fucking car. Like if you're old enough to drive a car, and you're gonna say those are mistakes, fuck, get off the fucking road. Because basically, you know, if if you're not even good enough to handle human to human interaction, how you, how are you gonna handle being behind a vehicle that goes 100 miles an hour? So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Zero tolerance. Like, I don't like. There should be no. Well, they deserve a second chance. At what? Being an asshole. <laughs> right. Like. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Now it's time for the wrestling corner, and uh, just a quick story. Not even a story. Some an observation that I had because AEW was in Toronto this past week, and there was about. Yeah, it was a full house at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. There was 7,000 people or so to watch uh, AEW Dynamite episode. And what always amazes me, as someone who's been in uh, Canadian professional wrestling for the past, I don't know, 11, 12 years almost now, it always amazes me when I walk around a big arena for a wrestling event and seeing so many people I've never seen before in my life. Like there's, and I'm not expecting them to recognize me. That's not what I'm saying. I, what I'm saying is there are so many fans that I'm like, if you're a fan of wrestling, how have I never seen you in my life? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I have never seen you at a Smash wrestling event. I've never seen you at a Greek town wrestling event. I've never seen you at a Destiny event. I've never seen you at a Barry wrestling event. I've never seen you at a Hammerlock wrestling event or whatever. Name your Ontario independent here. This dude's dropping. Never me. seen them anywhere. So not only that, but then like when the show starts and they were doing the AEW dark elevation taping and they're like, okay, on commentary is uh, Ian Riccoboni and uh, Paul White and Daddy Magic and 7,000 people start chanting for Daddy Magic. And I'm just like, if Daddy Magic was booked on an independent card like a year ago, there would be 50 people that showed up. Yeah. You know, and like, 
We have it's this crazy. All the time. It's just crazy what like national television exposure does because now all of a sudden people love this guy and like oh he's Canadian so we like we love him even more. But if that guy was on an independent show before he got television experience or television exposure, I should say, no one would care. We that's I wouldn't. Not saying no one, but you get my point. Like no one in know. terms of like in comparison to the crowds you get at independent shows. I would I would argue that it's not so much national television as it is there's a, a gateway to legitimacy right and i th- and what i mean by that is we used to go to ring of honor shows that had thousands of people with section guys c? that we book sorry section c section, section c. c section we, c we with guys that we booked on the regular were on some of these shows and you hear people cheering for those guys and you you hear around while you're flying whatever Yo, I, I came to see this guy. And they get a flyer with the guy's fucking face on it. And they're like, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. The fuck do you mean? What, like, what is it we're missing from the show? Like, is it that guy plus Matt Taven that made you go? Like, what, like, what, is, it, what is it that you're missing? Because I can guarantee you there are going to be guys on the show that are probably better than the guys you're trying to, to pair up against to find value or whatever. Dude, we had the fucking Watson Evil in New Japan, the man was now a leader in Bullet Club. Was a uh, was a um, champion there. He was a fucking Taka- IWGP Taka- champion. Takaki Watanabe. Yeah. So who's now? Yeah, going by Evil in New Japan. It's uh, you know, New Japan's not on national TV, and Ring of Honor's not on national TV, but people will go for that shit because there's a gateway of legitimacy where, oh, because it's Ring of Honor. Oh, because it's New Japan. It's it's very odd. Um, and it's something we always used to struggle with. So to see, you know, the same thing. Like, you hear people lose their minds for Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny. Well, they worked, they worked with us for fucking three years. That was another huge one as well. Like, the response that Butcher, Blade, and Bunny got. And rightfully so. And I love all three yes, of them. They're fantastic like, people. As, as wrestlers and people, I love every single one of them. But... Where were you when? Right, like they they were regulars at Smash Wrestling. Like every like, there are some people like Daddy Magic, for example, that would have only popped up at one or two Smash Wrestling events in the history of the ten year life cycle of Smash Wrestling. But like Pepper and Andy and uh, Ali were at every single, well, maybe not Andy at everyone, but like Pepper and Ali were at every single Smash Wrestling event. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 an odd. Like we had Orange Cassidy. Um, I'd yeah, actually quit by then. A number of times. But yeah, <laughs> I quit by then. But if if you had him today, it would be different. And I don't know if that's national TV or just that gateway to legitimacy. But I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 fuck. It's always a fucking weird thing. And, and I think maybe it's oh a show at a gym or a show at the Phoenix. It's not at Coca Cola. It's not. But then again, like fucking Ted Reeve. Like, I get it's, like, legendary. It's also a dive. Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's... Um, I would argue the Phoenix is a better venue than Ted Reeve. So, I don't know. It's 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 something to do with the connotation that people have with independent wrestling being less legitimate or not as good as for whatever reason, you know? And yeah, I would argue I agree. that... There's some sort of stigma that keeps people away. And someone's going to figure it out. And when that person figures it out, 
they will be making a ton of money. And, you know, and part of the reason why I bring this up is because, um, and I know people don't like listening to him, but Jim Cornette had a great podcast this week. And I've only heard a part of it. But the reason why he was talking about Canadian wrestling was a couple of things. One, because AEW is in town. And also, there's a new book written by uh, Vance Nevada called Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's Remarkable Professional Wrestling Legacy. And for the first, like, I don't know, 30 minutes of the show, he's talking about this book and the history of Canadian professional wrestling and some of the biggest gates that ever happened in Canada. And <laughs> the top 20 biggest gates in Canadian wrestling history is all Toronto and Montreal, which is kind of funny. And it was, it was cool to hear people like talk about the history of wrestling in this country and who the big stars used to be. And in the 50s, what the draws used to be in Montreal and how there's like 20,000 people going to these shows and in the 1950s, right? And it wasn't until, like, I want to say it was the 1980s. I guess by the time Vince ran the big event at the, the X, at oh, the, uh, the, X, yeah. the old exhibition stadium with Hogan and Orndorff, like, since that moment, everything else died in terms of professional wrestling in Canada. But, I mean, I guess it's the same way as every, everywhere else in the world. Vince killed all the territories, right? So, I think since then... Since the mid-80s, uh, Toronto has been a major league wrestling town. So if, and it's in a lot of ways the same that you would but see I ask, with... I ask what the delta is then between Ring of Honor and, and Smash at the time, because I would argue that the delta was very tight. Like, the production I'm wasn't... i count for how many times you say delta in an episode. The, the, the difference between a ring of honor show and smash shows at the time weren't like the production for a ring of honor wasn't very high no but what i'm saying is the ring of honor is perceived as a major promotion based on whether or not the production matched or not but based on what is what i'm asking like what what made that difference is it the stars that they produced that went on to bigger no i don't think it had anything to do with the talent roster i think it had everything to do with the fact that when people looked at North American wrestling, they thought at that time WWE was number one, and there was a, a you know a dogfight for number two between Ring of Honor and TNA. So I think in the the perception of wrestling fans was this is the next best major league promotion, and I, I compare it to hockey too because we've seen you know the Toronto, you go to Toronto Marlies game and there's no one there, and how many junior hockey teams have come up and failed in the Greater Toronto area? You know, the Toronto Roadrunners were around for a little while. And I know that was an American League affiliate and they ended up getting moved out east. But, like, what about the St. Michael's Majors? What happened to the... Uh, Brampton. The Brampton Battalion. What happened to the Brampton Beast? Like, there's so many... The Toronto GTA has... To me, it always appeared to be... And even the Raptors 905. It's right? snobbish like, culture. It's, it seems to be a very major league city. So if something is not per perceived to be the best of the best it doesn't get the support that if you go two hours to london ontario you see you no know, seven thousand people for a, a night's game right and it's the same with the cfl where yeah cfl football isn't perceived as a premier football league at least in the city of toronto if you go out to hamilton you know they're selling out tim hortons field you go out to saskatchewan yeah. like that they yeah. live and breathe rough riders football. so it's you know what it is it's a it's spoiled you're saying basically you're saying is this the gta is spoiled and i would totally agree with that i think the people in the I city don't know are... if spoiled is the right answer but i think if you compare it to 
New York City or Chicago, Illinois, like of these major metropolitan cities, I think that might be par for the course. I think they're all, they're all like that. They're just major league cities. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if spoiled would be necessarily the correct term. I like that kind of implies like an undeserving or kind of ungrateful, and I don't necessarily think it's ungrateful. I just think you know with the availability of entertainment in this city in comparison to something like Saskatchewan or Winnipeg or you know yep. for that matter and again people are going to shit on this you know but in places like Alberta that it's just when it's you have your money and you choose to spend it you're at realistically like instead of going to five Marley's games a year you're going to go to the one Leaf game a year spend the money to watch Austin Matthews. You're going to go to a Raptors game to see, you know, Fred Van Vliet or Scotty Barnes and whoever's in town from whatever team. It's just, I think it's just where you feel like you want to get the most for your money in terms of that respect. Um, and I also think too, that when you, if you were to put a major league team, whether it's hockey or basketball or baseball, and I don't mean a farm team. I mean like a legitimate big four sport team in somewhere like Brampton or London. I guarantee you, you see the attendance fall for the Knights. You will see the attendance fall for whatever, because people will say, well, if I have the choice to spend my money on top tier product and the availability to do it, they will and make the sacrifice to the lower end version. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think I agree with that. I think, the issue when it comes back to wrestling is that these things weren't here, right? Like these things don't come around that often. Like they're not here for forty-one games a WWE year. WWE does though, right? Once a year, maybe twice. Uh, maybe about twice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> but also, yeah. But again, like to Maddie's point, like it depends on where your money is yeah. allocated, right? And like what your other competition for your dollar is. But alas, yeah. just an interesting observation that yeah. I saw at the AEW show this past week and thought it was worth talking about. But what definitely is worth talking about is everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because we get to hear Maven's entrance music. And yes, that is also right. Maddie did hit his mic arm again. Um, my shout out this week goes to one man by the name of who has one name. He probably has a last name, but I don't know what it is. And every time he posts a video on YouTube, I greatly enjoy it. And this past week, he made a new intro to the videos, which I greatly enjoyed because it was a spoof on UFC's uh, STEM uh, old entrance video music stem uh face the pain i think it was the name of the track anyways the gentleman's name is matthew and matthew is the uh, creator and curator of botchamania which is one of my favorite shows to watch on youtube so shout out to matthew for always doing a great job and i greatly appreciate the content you produce maddie go we got like a minute and a half and i think we could do this okay Henry Cavill, because he's back as Superman. My Superman is fucking back. And that's all I give a shit about because he is the one true Superman that we have right now. Get fucked. Also, the Creed 3 trailer came out today. And boy, am I hyped. Mine's easy as fuck. It is Sauce Gardner for putting the the cheese on his head as a ballsy move for a rookie to do in Lambeau after a win in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. 
puts the cheese on his head, and gets the fuck out with a win. Not the MILF hunter. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to get the fuck out. So thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode, episode 27 of 43.6. Thank you again to our sponsor, Now Your Treasures. And thank you for subscribing to the, the program. We will see you next week for episode 28 of 43.6, the sports podcast. You as wanted.